This episode of the Press Row Podcast is brought to you by Out of the Park Baseball 21, the best-selling version of the best baseball strategy game ever made. You can get Out of the Park Baseball 21 today from Steam or directly from ootpdevelopments.com for just $39.99. It is jam-packed with by far the most new features and, and functions that we have ever added to a game. And fans are really enjoying it. And you don't need to take my word for it. Just Google Out of the Park Baseball 21. You'll see where it is. It's everywhere these days. A lot of folks are using it for baseball simulations in the media. Uh, A lot of folks in the game of baseball are using it to try to get a leg up on the competition. It's kind of amazing what's going on in the world of Out of the Park Baseball 21, 21 these days. So why don't you join the community? Give it a shot and check it out. And of course, supporting Out of the Park Baseball 21 supports the Press Row Podcast because that's what I do. So I appreciate everybody in the Press Row Podcast community, and I say thank you. I hope you're staying safe. I hope you have a great Easter weekend, and thanks for listening to the Press Row Podcast. Enjoy the show. Welcome to the latest episode of the Press Row Podcast. Brian Weedai, how are you, sir? I'm hanging in there. I think like uh, like most people are trying to hang in there. You know, we've gone, it's been almost a month now with no sports. Uh, mm. So it's been uh, maybe some, some time to uh, creatively visit other forms of entertainment and I've been watching a lot of, a lot of TV. I've caught up on a few movies, but mostly my extra time has gone towards TV shows and uh, been uh, mowing through those really, really well. Uh, but otherwise, you know, just trying to hang in there like everybody else out there. Yeah, we're both at the opposite ends of epicenters. You're in Seattle where yeah. it first started, and I'm in New Jersey where it's raging like you know, no one ever could have even it's, imagined like three weeks ago. It's unbelievable. It's, it's strange because, yeah, it kind of started here. I think the first case was here, at least the first known case. It may have been um, been around before that. Uh, but, yeah, it bl- kind of blew up here. We got ahead of things pretty well. I think California uh, maybe by a few days as far as shutting things down. But uh, that curve they talk about is, has kind of rounded off here, whereas we were number one for a while as far as cases go here in Washington State. Now I don't know what we're at, 10th or 12th or something now. So we've done a pretty good job of, uh, of mitigating that, uh, whereas we've seen, yeah, the New York area just get uh, ravaged by it. It's really, really rough to see. Um, yeah, but it's, yeah, it's it's like nothing I've ever seen before around here. Yeah. And- and and obviously, like nothing, no no one's ever seen anything like this. And and at this point, we're just just hoping that um, that this that, that the worst is here. I guess like that's what we're that's where that we is are right what now. we hope. Yeah. Right, we're hoping yeah, the we worst is in front of us, like right this second, and that we can somehow get this curve flat. It feels like that's happening, but uh, boy, it is it's scary. But you know that that's. That's uh, that's where we are, unfortunately, and that's not what people have tuned in to listen to. No, we're not generally a, a virus no, podcast. No, we're not. So, Brian, <laughs> we, the, the yes. bulk of tonight's show is a chat that uh, that I had with Todd Zeal about uh, his new game, uh, Ultimate Rivals, uh, The Rink, which mm-hmm. is a really interesting, really interesting out-of-left-field scenario, which I encourage everyone to, to stick around and listen to. But before we get to that, Brian, I wanted to catch up with you for a few minutes and ask you a couple things. Number one, are you playing any video games right now? I really have not. And I don't know if it's, uh, well, as far as the sports games go, I don't know if it's a, an indication that I just kind of uh, lost steam here at the end of the generation. I think that is part of it. But also... Um, I, like I said, I've I've just been I've been more into so the video games are the interactive you know you have to be tuned into it right I I kind of tune out and uh, just watch watch things right now so I haven't played much and also I think not having the sports going uh, makes me a little less interested in playing the games themselves uh, at least this far past when they released 
um, unless you're talking about MLB The Show. But then again, we don't have a season right now to kind of connect it to. Um, so I am kind of looking forward to Super Mega Baseball 3, which mm. is supposed to be out later this month. That's mm-hmm. pro- I'm hoping that gets me back into it because, again, that doesn't have ties to uh, to the actual leagues and you know, seeing things happen and wanting to replicate them and, and seeing things update based on what's happening in the season. Uh, that one can just kind of throw in and, and have fun with. And I think uh, I'd like to do some kind of co-op thing with you when that comes out. Oh, yeah. And see if we can get um, – because you can do, you know, the seasons and, and co-op and stuff. Sure. Um, so that, so that's kind of what I'm looking forward to. I have not – I mean, I think in the last time we, we talked, I, I, I discussed a few games I was going to get into. I still haven't. <laughs> uh, control – uh, being one of them, I looking at it right now. Um, but I just, you know, it's just, it's uh, everything has been kind of overwhelming. And I think for some people, video games uh, is an escape. It, it never really has been that for me. I feel like it, it, it's almost exhausting, exhausts me in a way when I play games for an expended period of time. Um, one's, that I have to engage with in a certain way. Sports games, a little less so than that. But, uh, but that's why I, I haven't. And then I was, I mentioned previously also that I was looking forward to the new systems to kind of revitalize that for me. Um, I usually, I might have a slump here and there in gaming. I think everybody kind of goes through that at certain points. Uh, but now who knows when that's, I was expecting that to be at the end of this year. Uh, I'm not so uh, sure that's going to happen now. Um, but I know, I know you're, still playing heavily um and I, I i wish i wish it clicked for me like that right now it's just not doing it i don't know exactly what it is it might be just a combination of all those things yeah well look it's it's all about what your your mindset is one way or the other and and these days i am really enjoying mlb the show 20 march to october i i played my first full march to october i picked the mets i set it on veteran and I, I went through an entire regular season campaign. I thought I was going to win the wild card. I wound up actually winning the division and was very proud of myself. And then I lost. I was swept in three games in the first round, the division mm. series, swept right out by the Cubs. Three and out. Boom. Done. Over. And, of well, course, you have the chance to then move <laughs> into the next season of, of yeah. you know, regular franchise mode. Or start a new March to October. So what did I do, Brian? I started a brand new March to October because that's the only well, mode that I play. That's the only mode I was going to say, the the upside to uh, losing like that in a March to October versus a franchise mode where you, let's say you did play all 162 games. Oh. Boy, oh. that you can't come back from that. <laughs> you're, you're done. Uh, March to October, at least you, you have a chance to just start all over. Tell me... Um, you played a lot of the March to October in the previous game. Mm-hmm. How different are the two? Not that much. Not that different, and that's good. Like I, I view that as a good thing because I really think the initial March to October is one of the best, one of the best designed modes in a sports game I have ever played because it it's like playing the greatest hits album of your favorite band. You're just. It's all the good stuff with none of the fluff. And by the way, you know, I, I, I'm a huge fan of the rock band, the Eagles, right? Like the, the Eagles have 35 fantastic songs easily. But the Eagles' greatest hits is just like 11 stratospherically good songs. There's, there's not even a, 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 a half of a four. There's not a four and a half on, on the Eagles' greatest hits. It's all fives. But they don't have some of the songs that if you put on the full LP, you'll be like, oh, my gosh, how did, you know, how did this track not make it on the greatest hits, right? Mm. But March to October, for me, it's just, it's, it's, it's so well done. So I like the fact that it's not that different. The, the, the changes are fine. It's a little weird, like, for example, very early in the season, like mid-April, I had the opportunity to make a trade. The Mets, mm-hmm. I could get Adam Eaton or a couple of other guys, and I was really weak in center field. So I said, all right, let me get Adam Eaton. There's no way the Nationals would have traded their interdivision rival Mets, Adam Eaton, on April mm. 18th, right? Yeah, right, right. But that was like a new or thing. Or maybe ever. <laughs> or yeah. maybe ever, right. Yeah. But, I mean, look. You know, it, it's a video game. You know, out of yeah, baseball does does stuff that wouldn't necessarily make sense too, right? Like it, it, it's just, it's fine. And but that was sort of a new thing where you could actually say, "I want this guy," you know, and you can you can say, 
you, you can look at your team and say, all right, these are my three weakest positions. I really want to see trade offers for these kind of positions. So even the, the changes are good in that they give you more agency. But I was concerned that the changes would get me much more into day-to-day franchise franchise management that I did not want in March to October. And those changes, you know, my, my concerns were not realized in any way. Yeah, I don't think in they're any going, way at all. It's still a that great deep. mode, right? It, they, they did what they added to it. They added exactly the right level of, you know, okay, here's a moment in time. Do you want to make this trade or don't you? And then that's it. Or, you know, here's a few positions where we can go look for you. Like, that's what I like. Like, you know, we've talked for years, Brian. Like, if I could design Madden franchise mode for me, I don't want to have to go search for individual players. I just want to say, look, I want to build my team around, number one, offensive line, number two, cornerbacks, right? Mm-hmm. Just go get, you know, when you draft, when you free agency, when you, when you develop players, just go just, you know, do that. To me, I feel like March to October – is really good at that like let me identify my weak spots and then let me just go play really good snippets of your really really good game so so i like it i like it a lot and and again i I went right back to it and i picked the twins so now i'm you know five or six you know probably two hours into a twins march to october and it's great. Are you going, I love it. Are you are you gonna are you gonna play anything else in MLB the show? No, but I didn't play anything else <laughs> last year either. Yeah, I know. I know. That's just that's just uh, fascinating to me. I don't want to. But, and and yeah. it's not a knock on anything. It's just like this is literally how I want to play this game. It is exactly the way that I want to experience MLB the show. Because I get a lot of hitting, get a lot of pitching, get a lot of fielding. I get, it's, you know, it, a, a, a nice dose of single, you know, I I'm one guy. Every once in a while, sometimes it's a pitcher, sometimes it's a second baseman, sometimes it's a right fielder, but not a lot. But sometimes, I just it, it's so good, Brian. It's so good. It's so good. Well, it's dropping, yeah. It's dropping you right into the exciting, yeah, kind of thrilling moments. Which look like you can build up to those, and those happen organically in regular nine inning games too. But uh, it's you, <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of time in between those. Uh, so I totally understand that. It's and by the way, you don't think there's going to be a version of this? If NBA 2K is not putting something like this in their next game, I'd be shocked. Well, because yeah, well, you know, because yeah. you know, we've talked for years, right? Like you've always thought the story mode in NBA 2K was overdone and overblown, and doing a full 82 game season is really a grind. Yeah. And they've had things, but like you know, if I'm a if I'm our guy OG or or uh, or Dazar, right? They don't do this kind of stuff. But but I'm if I'm one of those guys, I'm tapping on a producer at NBA 2K saying, "Hey, we don't need to do the whole you know drama thing. We can just you know we can we can do okay. It's opening night and you're down by three with one and a half minutes to go. Okay, now it's game. You know now it's night two of a back to back, and you're you know you're locked in as the center." For the fourth quarter, you're exhausted, but there's nobody else to go in, right? Like, they could totally lift this, completely lift this, and put in a brand new NBA 2K experience that's not the traditional GM mode, that's not the traditional story mode, that's not the traditional 82 game mode. And it might even work better in NBA 2K than in MLB The Show. Yeah, you know... Well, the thing about the baseball is, like like you're saying, it drops you into different situations. So as a fielder, as a hitter, in basketball, I, I'm trying to think of how you would do that scenario-wise. Like instead of just you're down by this, you're up by this, or you're at the free throw line, down by this. Or or what I think, or, or maybe you're just controlling, out, right? Like you're you're you just know, there, there's... you're just yeah, you're just Steph Curry here. Or yeah, your your team is you know your star player just left with an injury. I don't know. I, yeah, you're probably right. It could, it could work. Because um, look, I'll I say mean, that's it, what it, that's what I do now, right? Like when I play a season, I simulate until about halfway through the third quarter, and then I play from the third quarter to the end of the game. No matter what the scenario is, sometimes I'm up by five, sometimes I'm down by thirteen, sometimes it's tied. You don't know. Sometimes three well, of my guys are in foul trouble. Sometimes yeah. no one's in foul trouble. I think I think it makes sense in that uh, my biggest non uh, microtransaction related 
complaint with the 2K series is really that I, I mentioned this on Twitter recently, replying to someone um, is that uh, NBA 2K wastes your time more than any other game. Um, if they gave you a streamlined experience like that without wasting your t- so much time that you have to waste it in, in a story mode or in, in, load, in loading screens or in being forced to watch halftime cheerleaders. And here's like, the other thing, right? And now I'm going to sound good. like I know what I'm talking about when I don't because I don't understand the underlying principles of how um, a, a console sports video game is truly put together. But I think one of the reasons March to October works so well is because all it does is take a whole bunch of stuff that already is there, mm. right? It takes a whole bunch of stuff that's already there. The pitching, the hitting, the fielding, you know, the, the road to the show, you know, focus on one player, right? They, they didn't create new gameplay. They simply... No, they pulled it out. Yeah, they pulled it right out. a whole bunch of stuff, right? Like, that's why yeah. I think NBA 2K could work as well because you, you would literally just sort of take slices of things that all exist already mm-hmm. but you're not spe- you're not creating a whole bunch of cutscenes and a whole new story and a whole new you know what i mean like that's again why i think i think it would work in madden too right like really brian when you think about it the first sort of iteration of anything ever like road to the uh, like march to october was the intro to madden what four or five or six years ago remember that when you first started well, playing yeah. madden and you were like they had, had the, yeah. the, the new perspective and it was a scenario yeah. right mm-hmm. yeah we thought that was going to end up being more we did <laughs> they never they never did anything not in madden yeah. but they yeah. certainly did in mlb yeah right? it could it, you know madden could football is essentially set pieces uh makes it almost ideal for that um i i don't I don't think I don't. You know, you can tell me if you think otherwise, but I I have trouble seeing that work for for hockey or for soccer. But I think uh, it works but yeah. great for hockey. All right, really? there's four minutes left in the third period. It's a tie game. Do you get three points? Man, one point, or you no? know how many people can't score in NHL games. <laughs> but it's a lot. It's well, a lot. They can't score. It's a they lot more fun to not score in four minutes than in yeah. twenty five minutes. Yeah, I guess so. I was going to say people can't score in MLB The Show also. So <laughs> Hold a lead. You're up one yeah. nothing. Hold a lead for four minutes. Yeah, that could be intense. I totally. could see that. Totally. It, were, it, it would absolutely work, Brian. You'd be surprised. It would work. Yeah, they still haven't really done the story mode in NHL. Um, they need to do something along those lines. And maybe it would be a better fit with a, a scenario-based season as opposed to a story that yeah. you play through kind of cinematic type of thing. All Maybe, right, Brian. you know, next gen, let's see, you know, what happens. Everything's they, they, on the table. Yeah, no excuses. So before I let you get out of here, Brian, real quick, uh, mm. any any thoughts on the uh, the next gen consoles and and how well, how are you looking at how are you viewing that whole situation from where you are? Right it's a, it, yeah, it's hard not to obviously this is not the most important thing in the world right now, but it's hard not to look ahead and wonder like are these sports games later this year going to release on time? Will they will they follow when the leagues actually start? Will development be delayed because of you know everybody having to work from home? Um, will people have money to spend on games then? And then the next gen, yeah, you know, if it was going to be November, you know, is that going to happen this year? And you know, I, I think we both agree it's probably odds are probably against them releasing as originally scheduled. So that's going to throw everything. Just feels so out of whack and so uncertain right now, and not just in the video gaming space, obviously, but everything um, that uh, you know have no idea what's going to what's going to come down as far as they go. You know, I was so looking forward to. The new consoles, and uh, you know, I was leaning. If I was only going to get one, I'm. I'm thinking. I still think I'm only going to get one right at the gate. In the past, I've I've got pretty much everyone that's released as they release, and I was leaning Xbox. Um, and so things like the PS5 controller being revealed and everything didn't really do much for me this week, uh, but. When they show off the controller and, and you know specs and things like that, all I can think of is we don't really know when this is happening, <laughs> um, and and we don't really know uh, 
you know, like how do you plan for it? Like, I I can't envision them in a month or something rolling out pre-orders for a console. Can you? Well, it, it's not unlike the NFL, right? Like the NFL has been able to exist in this pretend world, right? With with Tom Brady signing with Tampa Bay and the Eagles signing some good players and and free mm-hmm. agency because. And again, right? It, it, it's all it's all relative, right? But like the NFL got lucky in that its season concluded three weeks before the pandemic shut everything down. Yeah, jeez. So they have by far the longest window. You know, like. Well, are we gonna here, put put your money down, Rich? Are we gonna have an NFL draft in two weeks? Oh, absolutely, and it's you think be so? Completely, I keep online. seeing absolutely. I Everything hope so. Totally I hope by so. computer, by phone, completely, absolutely. I think there 100%. should be. I really think there should be. I think we all need the distraction. There's and no reason big, not to. The NFL well, should be doing exactly what it's doing because they won't. They don't need mm-hmm. to make an actual decision about anything until July. Yeah. I just keep seeing all these tweets from especially adam schefter who seems to be pushing this idea that they shouldn't do it uh like tech, well, i get I, I get concerns. that argument i get that argument you know it's the wrong time is, type it, of thing i, totally I want the distraction what totally else what else that. are we doing give people some entertainment that's not going to cost anybody and you know, i get that too danger I'm, anyone right? i get so. exa- i get both arguments 100 percent. yeah i don't know i i think it i think it should happen probably like if happen, it didn't but. happen if the NFL canceled it tomorrow, I'd be like, when okay. Does it, when does it happen? None. <laughs> well, who cares? Yeah. When does anything happen anymore, Brian? Like the whole calendar. Like once once everything stopped, nothing date-wise matters anymore. No. Like we haven't even really come to terms with what it means that they have canceled or postponed the NBA Finals, the Stanley Cup Finals, the Olympics, the Champions League, the March Premier Madness. League. March Madness would have finished up uh, NCAA a tournament. Yeah. yeah. Right? Like everything that we have known and taken for granted as, as far as things that just happen no matter what is completely out the window. And I don't think people really truly understand that. And there's no reason for them to really truly understand it because it's never happened before. So I get it. And that's why I applaud the NBA in, in, in potentially redrawing their entire calendar. That's why I applaud Major League Are you League talking Base- about for forever? So like NBA yeah. should only start in, in December from now on type I'm of thing? I'm not saying what they should or shouldn't do. I'm applauding them for at least just recognizing, you know what? Things are different and maybe we need to think differently. That's why I applaud Major League Baseball for floating the idea – of a, of a four-month season in uh, neutral spring training facilities. Will it work? I don't know, but at least somebody's giving it some thought. We hey, have so to here, think very differently and very originally, <laughs> especially over yeah. the next four, six, nine months. We have to. Otherwise, we get nothing. And by the way, if we get nothing, that's okay. Like, I'm not going to... I'm not going to lose it if we have no sports for the next six months. I'm not going to like it, but I'm not going to – it. if we have no sports for six months, Brian, that's okay. And yeah. then eventually it comes back. But I would prefer sports over not sports if we can come up with something. That's what I'm saying, Brian. Yeah, you know, this could also be an opportunity to fix a sports game release schedule <laughs> that we've complained about for so long. Like, hey, FIFA, actually come out when Premier League starts, you know. Hey, let's NBA 2K, you don't need to come out two months before the season starts. Like, maybe when well, the maybe if the leagues do shift around, let's our video at, games will shift. Let's look at international soccer for a minute. Let's just take that. So what is one of the biggest problems that we've had with international soccer in the next two to four years mm. the world cup oh yeah any international competition no 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 like but that, yeah. specifically the 2022 world cup which is supposed to take place in Qatar in <sighs> the summer did they not move right? that i thought they moved that maybe no, they moved they it have to not winter. moved it they that mm-hmm. is still the plan right now right 
Hmm. Okay. But like, if, if you sort of realize that you know what, this gives us the opportunity to, co- to completely redraw everything, right? Then you're freed from the constraints. Like, oh well, if we don't have X number of games played by X date on this thing, right? Like. Liverpool was about to win its first English football championship in, what, 40 years, 50 years, 60 years? Mm. Some, you know, a Boston Red Sox, Chicago Cubs, you know, type of championship drought. You know, long-time club, long-time drought. Mm -hmm. So the Premier League does not want that to not happen. So the World Cup in 2022, no one thinks should happen. They were already talking about completely changing the schedule for international football around that so that they could put the World Cup in the winter so that at least the temperatures wouldn't be, and I'm not even exaggerating, 118 degrees. Yeah. Right? (laughs) So, like, at this point, if I'm – FIFA and UEFA and the Premier League and the Italian League and the Spanish League and the Bundesliga, I'm coming to the table and saying, wait a minute. Why don't we just take a couple extra months off and then just totally redo this whole thing? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Let's forget this whole Cutter World Cup. You know what I mean? Let's let's schedule the World Cup for three years from now and let's, let's... Finish the Premier League, and then let's do a whole Champions League, Europa League, Super League, and then do a World Cup and just completely blow the whole thing up, right? Like, Mm. why not do something like that? The NBA should do that. The NBA should take this epical, once-in-a-generational moment in time and, and rebuild the schedule in a way that benefits everybody the most. That's what I think. Yeah. Well, I can envision lots of changes. That's for sure. I can also um, envision everyone saying, "You know what? We just we canceled all of this and then just picking it up at the start of next year." Boy. And that's boy. okay too. I'm fine with that. If that's what we have to do. I'm okay with that. I can Yeah, but even though even if that happens, you know, I I I have my doubts that by fall things will be back to normal. That's so. what I mean. Like if baseball ultimately says, "Yeah, we can't do it." Well, baseball could, right. Uh, yeah. I mean, they just lose an entire season. But right. basketball would probably push from October. Football would probably right. push from September. Basketball would probably say. If basketball has nothing, no you know, way to, to salvage the season, I can't see them even thinking about starting until Christmas. And even yeah. then, I bet you they're like, Without you know fans. what? We're doing the playoffs. <laughs> We're doing yeah. the playoffs from six months ago now. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Why not? Yeah. Why well, I mean, not? Talking, so, so you have those bizarre ideas like the baseball one, which I don't see how logistically that could no, work at all. No, I don't either, but, but I'm hoping, uh, you know, I don't know. But like the basketball one where they want to quarantine them in Vegas or hockey where quarantine them in North Dakota. Like, totally do it. But the problem is one one person gets sick and then you're back to where you started But if again. you have tests, right? Like if you have tests right. and That's you can tell. Right, that's what you need is all the tests. That, exactly. Yeah. There's an assumption and it's not an assumption, right? It's an assumption now. It would need to be reality when it happens. There's there's a, there, you know, part of the whole plan is, okay, you have tests, you have facilities. If someone gets sick, you can monitor them, right? Like these people are, are you know, you're going to have have complete active monitoring of people which is why you know this thing got so bad because we have the opposite of that you know in everywhere right like that's just not a thing you had so yeah it, it i'm not saying it's plausible but like it could happen right that it it is possible Look, for something like that to happen it's possible. It needs it needs to be more. <laughs> did you did you see they're gonna put on like and broadcast a game of horse yeah. between some Why NBA players? I'm like I don't want I don't want that. I, Look, Brian, that's not stop it. What what do you mean so, you don't want it? It's either I, that, that or nothing. I'll take, I'll take something over, over nothing. You don't have to watch it. <laughs> I don't know. What about you? Have you watched any of the the esports stuff? That's no, but I'm, I don't know. I do. do you consider it esports? It's you know the professional players playing NBA 2K and Madden and, no, and the, only, the, only, the NASCAR thing. Have you watched any of that? Only, no, but only because I am just I I have so much fun working all the time 
that I'm just working all the time. Like I don't have, and I don't mean this to, cause I do it myself. Like we live stream three, five, 10, 15 hours a week and out of the park. So I'm just doing what I do. So I don't, I don't really get a chance to, to watch, but I've been very happy in particular about the iRacing stuff, getting the coverage that it's getting. I think that's fantastic. I think it's mm-hmm. fantastic. Kind of amused by it, but uh, I, I'm not. I'm not into any of that well, right that's now. Not me. No, that's not my scene. Yeah, not at all. Yeah, yeah. But they're trying. They don't have <laughs> much Absolutely. else they can do. They are not much else. Not much else. Absolutely. But, uh, and I give them a lot of credit for it because it's impressive. It looks boy. really good. Boy, but yeah. I mean, if they're they're already running through that stuff, what's going to happen in a what are, what are they going to be doing in a month or two months? I don't know. Oh. It's going to be up to you, Rich. You got to produce the content. All I'm saying is I'm I'm up for the challenge. <laughs> That's all you're saying. That's all I'm saying is I'm up for the challenge, Brian. Up for the all challenge. All right. Well, I look forward to seeing what you come out with. Thanks, man. All right, Brian. It's good to talk to you as always. Up next, yeah, I get to talk to Todd Zeal. Yes, Todd Zeal. That Todd Zeal, the guy who, among many, 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 many accomplishments in Major League Baseball was a key figure of the National League pennant-winning 2000 New York Mets, Todd Zeal. I'm very excited about this, Brian, and we're going to talk about his game, Ultimate Rivals. This is going to be fun. Awesome. Awesome. So thank you, sir. And uh, Yep. We'll chat again soon, Rich. Good vibes in your direction, my friend. Thank you. Same to you. Well, hey, everybody. I am very excited because we are welcoming today to the Press Row Podcast for the first time uh, Mr. Todd Zeal. Uh, first of all, Todd, how are you, sir? I'm doing well. I mean, all things considered, um, I'm back from New York and in, went to Southern California from uh, from Florida. I was down there for some spring training games. And then before I went back to New York to get ready for the kickoff of the Major League Baseball season, uh, came back home to California and then with uh, with the stay at home, we we've, we've stayed at home right here, right. and uh, fortunately, get a little bit of sunshine and um, time with the with the family during this very unusual time in our history. Mm. Yeah, well, I'm glad that you are safe and and you're you're in a place where you're you're okay. Um, you know, obviously, California. I'm in New Jersey, so you know we're both near places where all sorts of you know unfortunate things are happening. So glad that you're you're in a good you're in a good place. Um. We're here today to talk about a few things. Most importantly for, uh, you know, for the audience is your game, Ultimate Rivals, The Rink. So we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about the whole Ultimate Rivals franchise as well. Um, but as I told you before we started recording, I, as the listener to the show know, I'm a, I'm a huge New York Mets fan. And Todd Zeal, if you don't know, was a Major League, ba- Major League, ball, Major League Baseball player of significance um, including several years with the New York Mets and including a year in which you had a tremendous year and the Mets won the pennant. So I'm going to ask you a few questions about that as well, because I'm a huge baseball fan and you're, you know, one of the great major league baseball players. So this is a, this is a lot of fun for me here, but I, I do want to start sort of at the end, which is ultimate rivals, the rank. I would love to know sort of your story post-baseball, how you came to be affiliated with BitFry and and the game Ultimate Rivals the Rink, because you don't see a lot of Major League Baseball players make the move from Major League Ball player to video game company executive. And it's a really interesting story, I'm I'm pretty sure. Yeah, well, it is a a bit of an unusual uh, meandering path. Um, You know, I finished uh, my career in 2004 and um, was in California. And um, I, I made sort of a conscious decision to uh, take a little break from baseball. may not have been the greatest decision at the time, but uh, got involved in some other things um, and more specifically some um, film and television production ended up um, through the course of uh, events and some experiences um, being an executive producer of a, of a show called Anger Management, which, uh, which starred Charlie Sheen. And that ironically um, became the, uh, the conduit to meeting the founder and CEO of BitFry, which is Ben, ben Friedland, um, 
he at the time was working on a very early iteration um, of a baseball only video game based upon the uh, the Sony Pictures film The Natural, and he was looking for some celebrities. He always loved Charlie, and um, you know Charlie was sort of iconic in baseball with his Major League Baseball franchise, absolutely uh, film franchise, and so. Um, he was looking to find a way to, to get connected to Charlie for some voiceover. And he, through two different avenues, um, found mutual friends of mine that knew that um, I was just finishing up with uh, with anger management. So that's how Ben and I first got um, introduced. Um, he gave me sort of the highlight of what he was thinking about. He obviously had a, a, a larger vision than just the single baseball game. And so... Um, we started out slowly just kind of connecting on my relationships in sports, you know, primarily baseball initially. Um, and then the more we started down the road and, and got some traction with the leagues and the players associations, the more involved I got, um, you know, in adding relationships that included, um, you know, hockey and, and NBA as well. So, um, that's kind of the, the path that I took. And then over the last five years, I've sort of watched this go from concept to um, vision and an expanding vision with all the licensors um, now to, you know, a very successful launch on Apple Arcade and, you know, getting ready to, uh, to introduce the, the second piece to the franchise, which is the basketball version called The Court. So many questions. Um, and, you know, again, as, as somebody who, who is in the business of, of making licensed uh, sports video games, I, I, you know, I'm not sure how interesting this next question might be to the, to the, to the listeners, but that's okay. It's our show and we can do what we want. So <laughs> li- licensing is a huge deal in sports video games. You know, and, and Out of the Park Baseball 21, for example, is fully licensed with MLB and MLBPA, and they're fantastic partners. I'm sure you and I, you know, inter- interface with some of the same people. They are tremendous partners. There's a lot of work, though, right? Like, just th- that's how it is, right? When you're a licensee and of a Major League Baseball, for example, you know, you have to follow certain guidelines and practices and things like that, and it's fine, but there's just a lot of nitty-gritty details to it. I look at Ultimate Rivals The Rink, and I see licenses with Major League Baseball and the MLBPA, but also the NHL, the NFLPA, uh, you know, the, the U.S. Women's National Soccer Team. You know, there's a lot, there's a lot of licenses. So, like, I, I'm curious how how has that clearly that that positions your game uniquely? Um, how did that sort of come together? And, and I'm curious how you have found that licensing process when building a game like ultimate rivals, the rink and the court. Well, I mean, I think it's great that you have experience having um, gone through the process of, of getting licenses um, and sports licenses, because as you said, it's a, it's a tricky process. Um, gaming is obviously a huge category for these sports licensors. So um, they don't let everybody through the door. So congratulations on that. I'm sure you did work with some of the same people that, um, we have uh, great relationships with over at MLB and MLBPA. Um, and the trick to this was trying to find a way to differentiate ourselves from what was in the marketplace uh, to give the, uh, the licensors, uh, you know, a reason to feel like it, it was worthwhile for them to introduce uh, a new game into a very successful, uh, successful category. So, to us, we thought, and Ben really um, drove the vision that there was a, a void in the marketplace for the arcade action kind of throwback games of the 90s, um, games like NBA Jam, and then um, all the Midway games, uh, Blitz and Ballers and Slugfest, and all those types of games that use the sports licenses, but also have very, you know, um, unusual, supernatural, over-the-top action and didn't really sit, you know, go by the same, um, the rule set. And, and with the consolidation of sports gaming to sim games, like great games like Madden and, and, and MLB The Show and 2K's NBA game, um, it was all focused on hyper-realism. And we decided that maybe the way to differentiate ourselves was to be, you know, more of a throwback with the, uh, with the over-the-top action. But the trick... I think for us here and the 
part of the secret sauce is that we really thought it was going to be interesting if we could cross our athletes from one sport to another and make the athletes really the focus of the game, not so much the teams uh, as much as it was the athletes. So uh, LeBron James coming into a hockey game and seeing what he could do on the ice or, you know, keep using your imagination. Um, and LeBron James has always been, uh, you know, a storied talking point as what he would do on the football field as a tight end, for example. So it was that sort of uh, mindset that we brought into the leagues and PAs and, you know, they thought it sounded interesting. They wanted to see how we'd execute on it. And so that time of driving those licenses was, you know, a long process. It took three years to get all these licenses compiled. But the end result is that we can bring superstars from every sport into one arena and let them, as, as you as a gamer, play with those guys as your heroes against other, you know, heroes in other sports and really make these really unusual matchups. So Ultimate Rivals, you know, as you mentioned, it, it has players from different sports. It has men and it has women. And so I, I'm interested in sort of how you approached making that all all work in terms of, yes, this is a, you know, Ultimate Rivals the rink. It's a 2v2 hockey game, but it's not just a 2v2 hockey game because of the personalities and the players and the skills there's a lot of personality. There's a lot of uniqueness. I, I, I'm interested how you sort of, and, and not necessarily you, Todd Zeal, but you and, and, and the organization sort of ultimately, once you realized, or not realized, but once you knew what you were trying to accomplish and what the overall group of individuals you would have to deploy, how you sort of approached making the game, A, fun, and B, all these different people be valuable, right? Because it's, you know, the, the argument has always been, you know, well, it's hard to put, you know, the WNBA players into an NBA 2K game because, you know, attributes are different. You don't want to be disrespectful to one group of people or the other. You want it to be authentic, right? Clearly, this is an arcade game, so it's a different – you don't have that same set of circumstances. But still, they're different people, different sports, and coming together on the rink. I'm curious how, how you, you put that all together. I think it's a great question. I think that – really goes to the vision that Ben had from the beginning was to create something that is sort of the video game version of um, the sports bar uh, conversation and argument between fans that, oh, you know, my guy, LeBron James, could be great on the football field. And, and you know, there's always that inherent, um, you know, conversation and oftentimes confrontation between fans of, who's the better athlete or what they would do in another sport. And so with that, taking that and then really capitalizing on the fact that we're, we're talking about um, something that's a non-simulated game. So we're in the near future digital sort of environment. And what we really said is that each of our players are like Avengers. They're like their own individual superhero. And what they bring to the game is their own attributes from what their own respective sports are. But they translate into what they could do in the other arenas. So um, Alex Morgan is a fantastic uh, female um, soccer player, but she's also got speed and agility and quickness and things that translate into those types of attributes when she gets on the um, ice playing hockey. And the same kinds of things, if you think about Steph Curry, who's an amazing three-point shooter, well, when he comes into um, the rink, he can pull an ultimate move and have a three-point line on the ice and, and, and shoot a three-point goal from behind the line in the hockey game. So we try to make things that are directly related to the attributes that these athletes share in their own um, native sports, but then bring them in and allow them to kind of power up the more you play them in, their, uh, in the arena that they're in, like in the rink, for example. So there's that. But then I think one other thing that you alluded to, which is, um, was, you know, paramount to the design of the game and, um, and Ben's vision and the development team's, um, you know, real dedication to building this right is that they, they didn't want these to be arbitrary actions. So there's a lot of depth to this game. It's easy to pick up and play. I, as a non-gamer, can pick it up and kind of button mash my way around and, and make a goal. But really, really skilled gamers 
recognize the depth of the game because these guys, to your point, come in almost like a fighting game, almost like Street Fighter, where LeBron may give you more power and strength and Altuve may give you more agility and uh, speed and um, Alex Ovechkin is going to have the strongest shot. So you can pick your team based on some of the attributes you want to use in the game and then your skill as a player makes them even better the more you play. I'm also fascinated by the uh, distribution route, and that is, as far as I know, and I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure right now the game is only available on Apple Arcade. Um, it came out in late December. This is the rink, uh, Ultimate Rivals rink. So it's currently exclusive to Apple Arcade. I'm interested in the decision process behind that and and what that meant because i would imagine and i don't have any information right you'll tell me whether i'm right or wrong i would imagine this game was probably initially thought of as a playstation slash xbox slash nintendo kind of a game and then went mobile later perhaps it was initially mobile but i'm interested in sort of the path to going the apple arcade exclusive route yeah, that's a great question, too. I mean, I, the reality is that this was built uh, from inception as uh, a console game where it's it's got depth. It's got um, the graphics that are going to look great on a big uh, screen. It's got a lot of um, things that you can do as a as a gamer that get, um, you know, into the depth uh, that's built into the game. But Having said that, we always knew that there was going to be a mobile strategy. And as it turned out, as we were driving towards a console release, Apple decided to do this thing called Apple Arcade. And the timing was just really great for us. They, um, we, we got connected with them late in the process of, of our game build. We had been talking to some other um, publishing partners and um, dis- distribution partners at the time. Apple came in, they had a clear vision of what they wanted. They have been great partners with us. They gave us a platform to be able to launch. They gave us a huge megaphone to be able to broadcast uh, this game to a global audience. And um, they just became sort of a no-brainer partner for us. Um, With the absolute um, thought and plan that this would and could still um, go from arcade to um, console and be in all the places that you mentioned, Nintendo, Xbox, and uh, and PlayStation, and, and PC as well. So um, we have not limited um, our possibilities of going to the other platforms. We're just really enjoying our partnership with Apple and continuing to develop um, games, not just uh, the rink, but also we're, we're going to be delivering um, the second game, The Court, uh, you know, sometime later this summer. Um, and we've learned a lot in the first few months that the, uh, that the rink has been in the marketplace. And we're going to add, um, continuing to add features to make The Court an even, you know, more robust version of what we delivered with The Rink. Yeah, so that, that leads into my next question, which is what has the reception been to The Rink, right? You, you, you went live in mid-December. It's been out there now for four months or so. Um, what, ha- what has the reception been? What have you learned? Have there been any surprises? Uh, you know, I- I'm always fascinated, especially when you roll out something brand new for the first time. Right? With Out of the Park Baseball, this is our 21st version of the game. You know, We have some expectation as to what the reception is going to be, but we're, we always get information and feedback that surprises us. How, how has your uh, release experience been? It has been great. I think we came out um, with a really great push from Apple. And the fact that when you look at the game, you can tell that it looks different than any other sports game that's sort of in the marketplace right now. These um, Our athletes look sort of like Iron Man, Avenger versions of themselves. So there's, uh, you know, a bit of that arcade um, caricature, um, you know, style to the game. It's very stylized in the digital universe. And so um, the one thing that has been a very common uh, bit of feedback from the, the gamers that have been playing it is how fast-paced it is and how um, much depth there is in the game to the point that I keep making. So um, there is 
you know, they're quick game sessions. You don't have to sit down and play, you know, an hour, hour and a half version like the sim games. And uh, you can mix and match. And they're starting to um, really enjoy being able to power up, see the super moves. There, there's a lot of anticipation, anticipation for what the next set of ultimate moves are going to be and how they relate to the sports um, that they are uh, native from. So the feedback's been great. And I think at the same time, it's been a great learning experience for the dev team because this is not built as a, hey, we deliver a new game um, every year, like an annualized release, like a lot of sports games are. This is a game with a back-end service, so there's going to be continued um, content launch as the game continues. So we're learning and listening uh, to the fans, and we're trying to continue to bring, you know, um, new athletes into the game, some new ultimate moves into the game, expand our universe of athletes uh, to include some other sports, and that's some of the things that you're going to be seeing as we expand uh, to the court as well. Awesome. Uh, before we move on to some pure baseball stuff, anything that we can tell the audience about Ultimate Rivals, the rink, you know, how they obviously they can get it right now through Apple Arcade. Anything else that we want to make sure that you get out there to the listeners of the show about Ultimate Rivals, the rink? I think you've done a great job of allowing, you know, the message to be told. But the reality is on it's on Apple Arcade. We're seeing exclusive to Apple Arcade for the time being, for sure. And we've got uh, the NBA version, which is uh, Ultimate Rivals The Court, um, that'll be out later this summer, and it's going to have some new interesting surprises. And, and I think you're going to see a little bit of a, a feel of that throwback to NBA Jam with some uh, some wild action on the court. So keep your eyes open for that. But in, in, in addition, um, just be prepared for um, the content updates because the, the dev team is growing and um, I, I think they're really starting to fine-tune um, the real heart and soul of what this game is going to turn out to be. Awesome. Love it. And, you know, we talk about on this show regularly how we lament regularly about the lack of the arcade sports game. So we are big supporters, yeah. and, uh, and it's awesome that it's successful and that more is coming, right? That, that's, that's all you, you really want to know is that, things that you like are successful. So congratulations on that success. And we wish, we wish you much more in the future. And when the court really comes, when Thank the you. court comes out, we want to have you come back and talk about it. If you'd be up for that too. Absolutely. Awesome. Okay. So before I let you get out of here, I told you this before, you know, now it's my, now I just get to have a little fun and geek out. So first of all, again, you are, um, I mean, for, there, I don't know how many, Major League Baseball players have 2,000 hits, but you have had a, you had an extraordinary baseball career. 2,004 hits, 253 home runs. You played for close to 20 years. I don't think it was 20 complete, but it was. You played from '89 through 2004. Is there a particular season or a team that stands out to you above and beyond? some of the others, whether it was a favorite season or a memorable season, like is there one particular season or club that stands out to you uh, above and beyond the others for, for any reason, whether it was the amount of fun or the success or the camaraderie or anything in particular? Well, I, I think I'm going to help uh, season your, your youthful enthusiasm for Mets here. Because, <laughs> you know, I did play, I, I did play, for a lot of teams and I, I did um, have a great opportunity to play for a lot of years. Um, but uh, I think, you know, one of the things that, um, that I think is, is really defined my career was um, some, you know, some big special moments. And, and when I came to the Mets in 2000, um, it was a team that I thought was on the way up. I was lucky um, to jump in with a group of guys that, I think were among the best um, teammates that I'd ever had in any um, of my other teams. And look, World Series uh, in in the first season in New York, New York. Um, you know, as a as a bonus was amazing. I've always identified uh, myself as you know my second home being New York City, and I still love it to this day. So having that experience, and then follow that up with um, 2001. 
and 9-11 and the way the city reacted and the way uh, I think our team bonded with, um, you know, the the first responders and um, the city as a whole was really special, something that I think is probably the most meaningful part of my career. And then I, I ended my career there in 2004 and, and, and got to walk away um, the way I came in, which was as a catcher in my final game. And so all of those moments, um, I think, really kind of reflect my passion for the Mets and why it was really a great honor for me to, to get back involved with the Mets on the broadcast side and, and do the work that I've been able to do for the last few years with SNY and what I continue to do, um, you know, uh, to follow this new exciting Mets team as, uh, as a lead analyst. That 2000 Mets team was a really incredible group of players. I mean, you had some super superstars, you know, and like Mike Piazza, you had some really top of top of their game players like Edgardo Alfonso. You came in and you actually uh, you, you you played first base, and John Olerud had been at that position for a few years. You had a, a I mean, you had a lot of great years. You hit twenty home runs a whole bunch of times. In 2000, you hit 22 home runs, 79 RBIs, 268 batting average, a, a good slash. You, it seemed like you're, you, you just meshed with that lineup really well, and you, you played a lot of important games and drove in a lot of runs. Was that? It feels almost like that that lineup was really tailored around your skills. Does that is that a fair statement? Well, I, I think that I came into, um, I got plugged into a really great, um, you know, core group of, of players. And, um, you know, my skill set was able to help um, fill that void that was left there by John Olerud, who's an amazing guy, an amazing player. Um, what I think I remember as much about that as the overall numbers is, you know, big games, um, big hits, clutch RBIs, those types of things that just seemed to run up and down our entire lineup. It never seemed like there was um, one guy on a day-to-day basis doing it. It was the whole team kind of came together. And that's, I think what I remember most about that team is we used to have a, a, a slogan that we, you know, kind of used as our own mantra, which was winners find a way to win and losers will find a way to lose. And we always felt like if we were within – a run or two one way or another uh, in the fifth or sixth inning that we were going to find a way to win that game. And it, it happened in some of the most unlikely ways. And we had guys like Turk Wendell and uh, Dennis Cook and Johnny Franco and, and then Armando coming out of the bullpen that could, that could hold that game down for us on a nightly basis. And so we always felt like, Hey, this is a five or six inning game. If we can get, you know, if we can stay close, we're going to win this game. And that just seemed to be the way that team uh, fed off each other, and and that was the way I think we really kind of grew that love from the fans because there was it never really felt like we were out of any any game, including all five games of the World Series that were you know one run games, even though we were on the wrong side of them. Man, it, they always seemed to be a heart some heartbreaking uh, you know win or loss. You know, I, I don't say this lightly. I really think the 2000 Mets were better than the 2000 Yankees. I went into that series incredibly confident. And, you know, as a Mets fan my whole life, I, the Yankees have always been towering over over the Mets. I really sure. thought the, the, the Mets were the better club, no, not disrespecting the Yankees. To this day, you know, there, there's four – Four World Series that that I've that I've watched as a Mets fan, you know, and eighty six, two thousand, two thousand fifteen. Like two thousand fifteen doesn't bother me. I think the, the the Mets were probably a little bit better than the the Royals. They they played tough and it just it, it didn't work out. Two thousand, I really felt yeah. like you guys were actually a better team than the Yankees. You mentioned they were all one run games, up and down. I don't know. I mean, it's an unfair question to ask you, but I thought you matched up really well with that Yankees team, and that that series could have easily been four-one Mets. I think. Well, I, I can remember thinking, um, ironically, that uh, when we had uh, clinched our spot in the World Series, we beat the the Cardinals. That was one of the great pleasures of that year for me, having 
come up as a cardinal sure. and being able to kind of deliver a, you know, a, just a, a death blow to them um, in that NLCS. We then as a team on one of our workouts watched um, to see who we were going to be playing against. And we all rooted for the Yankees. We wanted uh, the Yankees. We thought we matched up well against them. Um, even though, you know, the, the interleague subway series, um, you know, was always hard fought and, and Yankees uh, had gotten the best of us. We felt like we were matched up well with them as well. And, and look, at, at the end of the day, a few things go their way. My ball hits on the top of the wall and Timo gets thrown out at home plate. Yes. One. Yes. Paul O'Neill, 11 at 11 pitch at bat off Armando and the, ah. in the, to, to get them back. Those kind of things that you as a Mets fan, I know are cringing at right now, but it's, <laughs> it's the same way we felt, um, you know, we never felt like we were out of any of those games the same way I was describing the way we felt all, all season long. Yep. Yep. All right. Well, hey, the game, Ultimate Rivals, the rink, available today on Apple Arcade. Ultimate Rivals, the court, coming later this year. Todd Zeal, the chief business development officer at BitFry, major league baseball player of significance. I'm a fan. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for talking to me about the Mets. I appreciate that. Uh, Thank you for your time, and let's have you come back again when uh, the court hits the streets. What do you say? My pleasure, Rich. Anytime. You just uh, when when that one gets uh, ready to go, and later in the summer, I'll, I'll be happy to come back on and we'll chat about it. Fantastic.